In today's edition of Kingdom Encounters, we will be looking at Matthew chapter 22, verses 23 through 33, a section of Scripture which is very confusing. Kingdom Encounters, God of the Living, Matthew chapter 22, starting with verse 23. On that day, some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and questioned him, asking, Teacher, Moses said, If a man dies having no children, his brother as next of kin shall marry his wife and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers with us, and the first married and died, and having no children, left his wife to his brother. So also the second and the third down to the seventh, Last of all, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had married her. But Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken, not understanding the Scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. But regarding the resurrection of the dead... Have you not read what was spoken to you by God? I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. When the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. The Sadducees come to Jesus. Who are the Sadducees? Well, they were distinguished from birth. They were their wealth, their official position. They believed the Old Testament, but here in Chapter 22, Matthew tells us that they don't believe in the resurrection. And we will see later in Acts chapter 23 that the Sadducees say that there's no resurrection, they don't believe in angels nor spirits, unlike the Pharisees who acknowledge all those things. Well, it's interesting about these Sadducees, these ones who don't believe in the resurrection are awfully concerned about the resurrection. And this question about family relationship is asked, and the context of a wife passed through seven brothers is, well, quite frankly, to our 21st century Western Hemisphere ears, this just sounds weird. And if we're honest, it, it sounds rather ugh. But we need to take a second to look at the day in which this question was originally asked. This was not just a law and custom with the Hebrews, but this was prevalent from distant times among many ancient peoples, such as the Persians or the Egyptians. And the purpose was the maintenance of family line and the protection of property inheritance. And the Sadducees, when they go to Jesus, they, they reference Moses, and we see this in Scripture. In Deuteronomy chapter 25, we see these words of Moses that God gave to Moses. When brothers live together and one of them dies and has no son, the wife of the deceased shall not be married outside the family to a strange man. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her to himself as wife, and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. It shall be that the firstborn whom she bears shall assume the name of his dead brother, so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. And there is a provision given in Scripture for this to be undone. 
But the point is, these Sadducees want to press this scenario for discussion, really wanting to put Jesus on the spot and for him to shoot himself in the foot and the promise of the resurrection in the foot, so to speak. So the Sadducees present this scenario, which is a far-fetched exaggeration, even by those cultural standards. And in some ways, I look at this like one of those word problems in grade school math where Johnny buys two dozen donuts, and Johnny sells a half a dozen, and then Johnny buys three more dozen, and then Johnny eats 18 donuts. How many are left? And what did Johnny pay for them? And rather than work out the actual math problem, I get hung up on Johnny eating 18 donuts in one sitting. The Sadducees ask the question about the resurrection. In the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had married her. And Jesus replies, In the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Jesus replies to the Sadducees in verse 30 regarding the woman and her seven husbands. In the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Like angels, not angels. What are angels again? Well, angels are created beings. They are heavenly messengers and servants, which we see throughout the Bible. And according to Scripture, angels are different than we are. David asks the Lord a question way back in Psalm 8. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them? You have made man a little lower than the angels and crowned man with glory and honor. The Bible shows us that man and angel are different. Man is not a cocoon. Man is not a chrysalis for an angel. We don't ascend to the state of angel when we die. Contrary to what some TV writers or songwriters might say, we don't become angels when we die. So, the big question, what does this passage say about marriage and the resurrection? I'm going to answer that. We need to go back to Genesis chapter 2, where we see the first picture of marriage. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, we read, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother, and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. This is a relationship where two are joined together as one. We flash forward to the New Testament. The picture of marriage represents Christ as the bridegroom and the church as the bride. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. A sacrificial love, husband loving the wife, just as Christ 
loved the church. And then a little later, in Revelation chapter 19, we see a picture of the marriage of the Lamb. A voice from on high tells the Apostle John, there in Revelation 19, verse 7, Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to Him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. And then the voice says to John, Blessed are those, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is why marriage is serious. The joining of husband and wife is an earthly picture which should point to Christ as the bridegroom and the church as the bride of Christ. And in the same manner, this picture of Christ as the bridegroom and the church as the bride of Christ is the model for the joining of a husband to a wife. This is why marriage is serious. Any other union is a distortion of this biblical picture. Any other union is a distortion of this biblical picture. It's kind of like that angel picture from a moment ago. A lot of times we make up our own answers if we don't know the full picture. We distort the biblical picture when we change relationship factors and parties around. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 29, we read that Jesus answers the Sadducees, and he says to them, You are mistaken, not understanding the Scriptures, nor the power of God. But regarding the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You probably know the story in Exodus chapter 3. Moses was pasturing, and he comes to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appears to Moses in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush, and the bush is burning with fire, and the bush is not consumed. And God calls from the bush and says, Moses, Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry, for I am aware of their sufferings. Therefore come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people out of Egypt. Then Moses says, When I tell them the God of your fathers has sent me to you, they may ask, What is his name? What shall I say? And in verse 14, of Exodus chapter 3, God says to Moses, I am who I am. Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am. God is. God is alive. God is without beginning. God is without end. God was, God is, God will be. Doesn't that fill you with awe? Doesn't that fill you with hope? In verse 15 of Exodus chapter 3, God says, You shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. And as you have heard me say before in Kingdom Encounters, that title of the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that title means that God is a covenant keeper, a promise keeper. 
And one thing that he told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, going all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, when we first meet Abraham, back when he was named Abram, is that through God's promise, all the families on the earth would be blessed. So we go to the last book in the Bible, Revelation chapter 21, and we see these words of John. Revelation 21, John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. What was told us back in John chapter 1, verse 14, regarding Jesus, the Word made flesh, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us is now fully realized. That word tabernacle, that word tabernacle means to dwell with. God wanted to dwell with his people at Mount Sinai. And Jesus dwelt among us, full of grace and truth, as we see in the Gospel of John. And now God is dwelling among his people, wiping away tears of sadness and grief. There's no death, there's no mourning, there's no crying, there's no pain. The first things have passed away. All things are made new. 1 John chapter 3 tells us, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. As you just heard me say, the title of the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that title means that God is a covenant keeper. And one thing that he told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, going all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, back when we first meet Abram, is that through God's promise, all the families on the earth would be blessed. Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. Through Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham, all the families on earth can be blessed with the hope and the promise of salvation. You see, we don't want to be like those Sadducees, not understanding the Scriptures nor the power of God. We've just looked at these Scriptures and just so that we can get a better understanding. But we also want to understand the power of God. This blessing of family in Genesis 12 began with the blessing of what we saw in Genesis chapter 2 with man and woman joined as one. We know that Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding in Cana. Marriage is a model, blessed by God, that we see on earth. And we see that marriage is a blessed union given to us by the Lord. We also see that marriage is a model for Christ and the kingdom in heaven. So, the question, will I know my wife or husband or family in heaven? What did we just read in Revelation chapter 21? 
God is dwelling among his people, wiping away tears of sadness and grief. There's no death. There's no mourning. There's no crying. There's no pain. If you and I can trust the power of God to wipe away our tears of sadness and grief, if we can trust the power of God to deal with death, mourning, crying, and pain, and if you and I can trust that we will see the God of the living, Jesus once dead, now alive, you know, there's a lot we don't know, but this I know. If we can trust, if you and I can trust the power of God to do all of that, we can trust the Lord who holds our future with the future of our most cherished relationships that we've had here on earth. Let me say that again. We can trust the Lord who holds our future with the future of our most cherished relationships that we've had here on earth. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 30, we just read that in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. Things will look different. But we can trust the Lord who holds our future with the future of our most cherished relationships that we've had here on earth. Because He has blessed marriage and He has blessed every family on earth way back with His promise to Abraham a long, long time ago. Because of all of this, you and I can trust the power of God. And here's something else. If we can trust the God of the living with the resurrection, we can trust Him to deal with our sin. Everyone needs salvation because we've all sinned. The price, the wage of our sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus, by dying on the cross, paid the price of the wages of our sin. God showed us His great love by sending Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners. And if you and I can come to the place that we understand that as sinners we deserve death and that we need a Savior, and if we can step past our pride to trust in Jesus being the only one who could die for us and be restored to life, Jesus, the first in the resurrection, if we can confess our sin and our need for Him, if we trust in that and have the belief, we have the faith that Jesus can pull all of this off, this brings us into a relationship of peace with God, the God of the living.